welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein, with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. I'm Michael Shapiro, the editor of News and Technology for North Star Meetings Group. And I'm here today with Michael Justy, insurance expert and senior writer for insurancequotes.com. We're talking about some concerns related to the coronavirus in the events world. Thank you for uh, talking to us today. So tell me, uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of questions going around from uh, professional conference organizers, people planning events of all sizes in terms of what insurance covers. Does your average event insurance cover coronavirus, and how many people are generally carrying something that they would need to have this this sort of outbreak covered? It may be easiest to kind of break down what your your special events insurance would would, would be, and and a way I've been describing it is, is there's kind of three layers of coverage, and so everyone has that first layer of coverage. They've got that special events liability coverage, you know, that's going to cover you if a waiter trips and breaks their leg, or if a vendor uh, accidentally lights the venue on fire, you know, something like that. That's all covered under that that general liability coverage. But that wouldn't cover cancellations, okay? So then you go to the next layer of protection where you get the cancellation coverage. And, you know, that's going to cover in case your keynote speaker can't make it or the FAA browns all flights into your, your venue or, or even, you know, maybe there's a, a natural disaster that's, that's going to make it po- impossible to have the event, the, the venue burns down. You know, those are the types of things generally covered under the cancellation policy. But almost exclusively excluded is going to be infectious disease. And so in order to get infectious disease coverage, you have to get that that third layer of protection, uh, typically in the form of a rider that's going to give you uh, coverage in the case of a, a viral outbreak such as the coronavirus. I found very, very few uh, events and conventions have that three layers of protection. I think it's rare to get that second layer of protection, uh, much less that that extra layer of protection for uh, uh, for infectious disease. That's unfortunate. It, it seems that it isn't that common, right, to have to have that extra layer. At this point, um, it's my understanding that you can't really get insurance for uh, an infectious disease that's already involved in an, in an outbreak. Is that right? Yeah, it's kind of like having a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, the, the insurance companies will be happy to sell you a, a flood insurance policy, but it's going to have a 30-day wait period, right? You can't get that coverage for the thing that's in ongoing. So there are companies out there writing cancellation policies. Say you're planning an event, you know, next year. Uh, you can absolutely use this as a spark to think, maybe I need that cancellation layer. But Almost every policy I've seen and all the insurers I've talked to specifically are excluding that COVID-19 at, uh, because, you know, it's that, like I said, that imminent threat. You, you can insure for the unknown, but you can't insure for what's breathing down your neck. Are there cases where people are adding special riders to, to allow for cancellation or, or, you know, severe attrition in any case for, for coronavirus-related uh, incidences, or is that just it falls under the infectious disease category and it's already out there? So even a rider wouldn't really cover that. Yeah. So there's two two aspects to that question. First off, um, yeah, I really I, I'm not saying that there's no 
insurer because once you say that, you're going to find the obscure uh, specialized insurance company that's happy to write it for an exorbitant fee. But the standard policies right now are not covering uh, coronavirus. Um, the other aspect you asked, which is kind of interesting, is cancellation due to attrition or low attendance. And even um, if you did have that viral coverage, it's not likely to cover it if you choose to cancel your event because of low attendance or low ticket sales or because uh, your your members were scared to travel. That is even a further exclusion that, that you'll find. Um, you know, in the case with South by Southwest, the city ordered them to cancel it. That would be covered with that third layer of protection had they had it. And my understanding is they did not have that. If you just choose, hey, you know, my members are scared. They're not going to come. I'm going to have low attendance. My understanding is even if you have that third layer of protection, you're not covered. So, but you're saying it would go into effect then uh, in these cases where there is a, uh, where there are restrictions in place, uh, you know, put in by either local governments or or in in many cases down national governments uh, against having large gatherings. Or or even the venue, you know, say the, 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 uh, you're you're at a major convention hotel and the convention hotel says, no, 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 we're pulling the plug. You know, that would uh, theoretically be covered. But if it's your choice, uh, you're almost never covered. And so we briefly sort of branched off there into the question of, of attrition and, you know, much lower attendance. Mm-hmm. What, what if, it, I mean, if we're in a scenario where the event organizer has insurance and could theoretically cancel the event, but decides to go with it anyway, does, would the insurance cover a shortfall or cover the attrition, the, the, the lower attendance, if there is actual, you know, beyond just fear? If, if there are restrictions in place so that, say, uh, half the attendees would be unable to fly from a certain location? Yeah, so I hate to give you the uh, you know <laughs> the standard answer of, uh, well, it depends on your policy. Uh, but in this case, sure. it, really, it really, really does. Because uh, uh, special events coverage is what they call a non-standard policy. So there's really no off-the-shelf example that we can point to and say, here's the industry best practice that this would be covered and this would not be covered. So it really, really, really depends on what you negotiated at the onset when you signed that policy. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's just no industry best practice I could point you to and say, uh, yes, uh, you know, this particular scenario would be covered. Um, what I can tell you is that a lot of these just have these specific exclusions that say an event that was interrupted because of a viral outbreak would not be covered. So on the one hand, we have these events where there are government restrictions in place. Uh, so certainly that would be covered. That would apply. What about in cases where... There haven't been bans placed on the events, but following, say, guidance from CDC regarding travel. I'm thinking of, you know, the CDC recently put out guidance now that, you know, if you're over the age of 60 or you have an underlying health condition, they really recommend that you're not attending large events. You know, if if I have an event where I'm expecting, you know, more than half of my attendees are actually in that age range. Then what are we looking at here? Like, how is that defined? Yeah, or even your your, your presenters and your speakers. Because uh, a lot of these cancellation policies do very specifically allow for cancellation coverage uh, in the case that the speaker has backed out. So, um, you know, the more official action and, and action by other people you can point to, the better your case for making a claim is going to be. You know, one question that is on everyone's mind, I think, is back to that liability issue. You know, what if if you don't have infectious disease or communicable disease insurance and there is an outbreak at your event, 
are you liable? I mean, what, what, are, what are the liability issues there? But interestingly, that's probably the thing that's most covered <laughs> in, a, in a very uh, weird way. That would most likely fall under the that first layer of protection that everyone's covering, uh, that everyone's carrying, which is that special events liability coverage. So just like a waiter tripping on someone's bag and breaking their leg uh, would sue you, you'd be covered by special events liability coverage. If you, you were found negligent for holding the event, and a bunch of people got sick because of you, that liability coverage would most likely kick in. There's that comforting element there. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. Such <laughs> can be. It's all relative. Well, that's good to know. And, and then what about, I think, uh, another very common issue right now is, obviously, no one knows how this is playing out. So there, there's so much uh, in the way of, of, of guesswork and, and estimations going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is, are there dates by which, you know, I, and I understand this could depend on the policy, but an organizer will need to set a date by which they just should decide whether they're canceling or having the event. How much does that does that factor into? Is there is there like a standard for, you know, advance notice that must be given before an event is canceled for insurance to, to kick in? Yes, your, your gut's exactly right that it's it's going to be a policy by policy and also depends on whether it could be foreseen or not. But the more relevant and more interesting uh, date question comes into kind of deadline to file. So a lot of these policies say that if you don't make your claim within 30 days, you can't make a claim. So, uh, you know, so uh, it's not necessarily that the clock ticking on when do I pull the trigger, which depending on the policy, it might. But almost all the policies say that you've, you've got a very finite amount of time to make a claim after it happens. And so, you know, that's the date I would really be paying attention to if I were an event, event organizer. But now, if I, if I had an event going on right now, I would definitely be uh, uh, reading that policy as bedtime material to make sure I'm really, uh, really familiar with what it says. Yeah, well, that definitely makes sense, and I'm sure everyone is at this point. Um, You know, on that note, actually, that brings up an interesting question. You have that finite time in which you have to make the claim. We're looking at a situation, I think, let's say you have an event um, with exhibitors, a trade show, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you might have an agreement with them where you wouldn't be returning money to them if an event is getting canceled, but rather giving them credit for a future event does that factor into you know how quickly you make your claim if there are sort of credits being given for the following year instead of refunds being made? You know, I, I, that, that, that's a little beyond my depth. I, I, I really have to uh, defer to uh, you know someone who's writing these policies to tell you the specifics on that. I wonder how much of that even fits into the policy or or not. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, these policies are never going to make you completely whole. These policies are always going to, you know, pay a percentage after deductible. So, um, you know, they want to give you incentive to hold the event. The other interesting thing about these policies is they'll often require that you try to either postpone or relocate the event before they be covered. So, um, you know, you, you might, I think I saw uh, what was the headline this morning that uh, I think Coachella got moved. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if that was a in response to an insurance mandate. Uh, I don't know that for, for sure, but uh, that's the type of thing that the insurance carrier would ask them to do is see if we can postpone this rather than pay off the policy. Moving the, the venue, uh, moving the location of the event uh, seems to be a, a difficult point if that's part of the insurance policies as well uh, in terms of this outbreak because of the way in which it's spreading yeah. is so unpredictable. 
Yeah, unless you're going to the moon, I don't know where you'd uh, relocate. <laughs> uh, right, right, exactly, exactly. Okay, well, and let, just tell me, were there any other um, any other salient points, things that people keep asking you about with respect to the outbreak? This is the very interesting writer that people are really focusing on right now because it's the one that's in the news. But there are other exclusions. You know, I think that there's a mass shooting exclusion on a lot of these policies. And I think some of them have weather exclusions. And, uh, you know, the, the real lesson for this isn't necessarily to think, okay, are epidemics covered, but instead to say what's excluded and is that something that keeps me up at night? You know, today's disaster is not what you want to be insuring for. You want to be insuring for, you know, what is the most likely thing that's that's really going to make me lose sleep. In your experience in the past when we've had, you know, epidemics or, or attacks and th- things of that sort, or even just the more extreme weather patterns we've been seeing in, in some locations, do then does that affect um, in the years to come the insurance policies that people are picking up, or are we seeing more invested in this in terms of uh, you know eliminating some of those exclusions for future events? Well, yeah, I can't speak to what the insurers are going to uh, choose to eliminate the exclusions, but yeah, certainly in the uh, early two thousands, you saw everyone taking out terrorism writers, and, and those really aren't in front of mind right now. You always pay attention to what's what's right in front of you, but uh, you never really know what the the actual risk is, and you know that's that's the whole the whole theory of insurance. And, and so, you know, the, the the takeaway is talk to whoever you're buying it from, buy it from a, a reputable licensed agent in that state that you're operating in, and make sure you really understand what you're buying and and what you're being excluded from. Well, thank you uh, very much for your time and insight, Michael. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I am sure we'll be touching base again with probably related questions in the near future. I'm happy to help. And uh, if you ever need anything, give me a call. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new episodes soon.